Alright, hey y'all, this is Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap-up. Today we're going to be talking about the continued early voting that's going on right now across the state of California and the entire country. Um, but we're also going to be talking, uh, of course, about coronavirus and the ever-looming threat to uh, civilization as we know it, that it is. And uh, we're, we're joined with uh, special guest Tommy Kelly from Streetwatch LA and Ground Game LA to talk about um, some an incident that happened uh, over the, the last week uh, where, you know, the activism gets pretty real sometimes. Uh, and we're going to talk about some context of what is going on at City Council this week and why you should be mad as hell and uh, be dropping comments uh, in the City Council file and uh, calling in and yelling at your City Council members because they are awful and they need to be yelled at. Uh, but first, first things first, how's it going for you, Bushido? That's uh, going all right. Let's... Uh... You know what? Let, since we're since we're, we got an extra guest today and we got the election coming up, let's uh, yeah. let's just hop right into the uh, political sure. data uh, for the early voting returns. Which uh, California is marching along at this point. Thirty-four percent of us have returned our ballots. Uh, now, Ooh. unfortunately, unfortunately, most of us are white and elderly, <laughs> uh, which is Shit. not good. Like if you as you no. can see over there, as you can see over there, like under the demographics thing. 65 and over makes up the smallest voting demographic in the wow. state. And yet they're returning ballots at twice the rate the millennials are at this point, um, which is bad. Now, all of these boomers sure. are also skewing uh, Democratic, which cool. I guess that's good. But like being a California Democrat doesn't really mean all that much. You know, <laughs> a Gavin Newsom Democrat is, is you know, a half shade gray. Joe Buscaino is a Democrat, damn it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Even like even John Lee is a former Republican. Um, and it, it's it, it being a Democrat in the state doesn't mean that much. In L.A. County, things are slightly slower. So while the state has 34 percent of the ballots returned, uh, L.A. County has only 29 percent of the ballots returned. But the same demographics are kind of trending. But I will say this. While in California, only eight uh, right now, millennials make up 18 percent of ballots returned. In yep. the state, in the county of LA, they make up 21% of ballots returned. So tying them with uh, with Gen X, pretty much, uh, which Damn. is a really good one. Like LA County, I think we are going to see a good millennial surge, and that can spoke really well for local races. Um, but it scares me about the the state ballot initiatives or the state ballot props and measures, because um, a lot of those are very terrible and have huge marketing campaigns behind them. So remember, vote no on 22. Just yeah. vote no on 22. <laughs> Everywhere you go, just walk around yelling "Vote No on 22." Tell your tell your cashier at the grocery store. Yep. Tell yep. your tell your bus driver the next time you're on yep. Metro. Yell it at a cop when they're beating you with a with a baton. Just everyone needs to know "Vote No on 22." So, let me flip it over to you, Chris. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk COVID updates, which oh, uh, the US is. Well within to well into our third wave here. So uh, I have a feeling these numbers are gonna make us all feel good. Oh, you are uh, incredibly apt at predicting exactly what I would expect the outcome to be in this situation. Uh, shit's bleak, yo. Uh, the the curve uh, is no longer flat once again. It is now very much trending in the wrong fucking direction as expected uh, because we have no ability to address public health in a meaningful way here. I appreciate the uh, the cat guest. Uh, as of this recording, we are now up to 913,000. She, she does not want to be here. Nope. 
913,237 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California, which is terrifying. You can actually see uh, we had a big old spike in the last week. Uh, uh, It's really impossible to tell if that spike is coming under control, if it was an aberration, or if it is merely an indicator of what is to come. Uh, this is definitely the the third wave nationally. Uh, I would argue that the way it is in California, we're st- this is definitely our second wave because that first wave was just like a long, slow increase. And the only time where it dipped down before uh, September was when they changed how they did data collection. And that's just like an, uh, you know, an artifact of the data as far as we can tell. Um but that being said, we are now up to a staggering uh, 4,900. Oh, sorry, we had a, a whopping 4,903 new cases that were confirmed yesterday, and uh, 2,228 today as of 2:08 this afternoon. So we are extremely back into the danger zone of holy shit number of cases every day. Uh, we're up to a staggering 17,427 deaths in the state due to the virus, 41 of those yesterday, 29 deaths due to the virus so far today. L.A. County also doing exactly the same thing as the state, although uh, not going to lie, that spike that we saw was one of the worst daily case totals. Uh, I think it was, what, one, two, three, four, five, the fifth worst daily case total we've seen so far in the pandemic happened last week. We're up to a staggering 300,662 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in in LA County as of this recording, 902 new cases reported yesterday. We reached the round number of 7,000 tragic deaths in the county due to the virus, seven of them coming yesterday. Uh, As a reminder to everyone, because I know you all know this, but I feel like saying it anyway, the spikes here show up here two weeks later. Um, it's bleak. You can see our ICU beds drop down from their thousand or so that they were kind of chilling at for a while. We're down to 807. Uh, that is not a good thing, especially as the cases are spiking like this. And when you look at cumulative totals uh, in the state, these these per 100,000 totals, Imperial, Kings, and Kern uh, well, Imperial and Kings are by and by far and away leading the totals. Kern and Tulare, uh, Merced, and uh, Stanislaus are all right up there with them, along with Madero and, and Fresno, honestly. We're still number 10. Uh, and the way that this looks in, uh, in terms of geographic regions, it is pretty unsurprising right now that we're seeing the Central Valley being like the spiking zone that it is now. Uh, it's definitely the rural, the more rural portions of the state where we're getting this this later spike. Although I expect that these colors are probably going to change toward all toward a sh- darker shade of blue coming up here uh, in the, the coming weeks. So not good is uh, the simplest way of putting what is going on with COVID nineteen in California. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as New York at this point where um, New York City is – I think Cuomo wants to stop pretty much every American from being able to travel to New York for the next like six weeks. Like uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, cities and states in the Midwest that – completely missed the first two waves that are now getting hit really, really hard. Um, And we're kind of seeing what everyone predicted when we didn't keep the lockdown going, that this was going to pop up again. And we're seeing the same thing again in Europe 
We're seeing it in pretty much any nation that has a semi-transparent media is reporting spikes. Only places we're not seeing a lot of spikes are places like Russia, where you just really can't believe any of their public health data because they're fucking lying and Putin doesn't actually care. So there's like... (laughs) Yeah. It's 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 a weird thing to be like, hey, democracies are doing this a little bit better than the authoritarian. Um, but at least like, I don't know, I don't feel like things are trending better, but it feels like a good day for the I told you so's uh, among us. So, um, but yeah, so let's move on. Uh, and uh, the reason we brought uh, Tommy in here uh, wasn't just to talk about uh, what went down in Hollywood last week, but was to also talk about city council's new really terrible, stupid plan to revise and rewrite uh, LAMC 4118, which restricts where you're able to sleep, lie, or uh, sit if you're unsheltered. So let's get into yep. this, Chris. Sorry, I, I misclicked and brought Tommy in very quickly and no, abruptly that's, there. That's I good. apologize. No, no. Bre- it gets the point going. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy is absolutely welcome into this conversation. So, um, forty one eighteen. In case uh, people aren't aware of it, Tommy, do you want to actually do a quick breakdown of what forty one eighteen is? Because uh, you interact with people in that are being uh, prosecuted and, and well, not prosecuted, but like uh, challenged with forty one eighteen citations and shit all the time. Uh, tell folks about it a little bit, would you? Yeah, uh, the worst part of 4118, well, you know, it, it's been around for a very long time. Uh, yep. The worst part is subsection D, uh, which basically said you can't sit or lie down on the sidewalk, which uh, it's pretty much universally recognized now uh, that that's a violation of people's human rights. I mean, it's it's a ban on, on existing in public space. Yeah. Um, and when almost... This into almost like it's like almost all the land in the city is privatized, uh, where you you can't exist yeah. <laughs> with without you know outside of this these conceptions of uh, private property. So uh, that that that's in effect what it is 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 uh, is it's a ban on lying or sleeping on the sidewalk subsection D. Uh, there was a lawsuit Jones versus the city of L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two thousand six. The city agreed to a settlement um, and agreed not to enforce it at night. So they'll, they will. Uh, there, there have been uh, phases of enforcement, you know. And so um, sometimes they'll. I, I don't know if they're currently doing this. Um, I think they agreed not to for now. But they they used to come around and at like 6 a.m. or, or whenever yeah. the settlement and, yeah. and tell people like you gotta you can't be sitting there anymore you have to get up and it's legal yeah, yeah no I, legal. I remember it's... when I was uh when I was living in a uh, Koreatown and working in uh Irvine I would have to ride my bike to Union Station every morning to catch the like uh oh. 6 15 a.m train down there which sucked but it would take me straight up um uh Main Street and the yeah. green shirts and the purple shirts and LAPD would be out there at 5:45 telling people you got 15 minutes to get your stuff that tent's got to be down by 6 a.m. and like it's just the shittiest thing in the world when you're looking at an elderly person coming out of a tent at 5:50 in the morning and being told you have 10 minutes to pack up all your shit and move or I'm going to arrest you. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's a, I think a really good summary of what forty one eighteen is and why it's so draconian and awful. Uh, for a little bit of context here, forty one eighteen was rendered largely unenforceable, was my understanding, due to the Boise Mar- Boise v Martin decision 
uh, or Martin v. Boise, rather, coming out of the Ninth Circuit Court um, a, a few years back. So that's the federal ruling that said that unless you have, like, you basically you cannot enforce laws like 4118 unless you have sufficient shelter beds to offer everyone a place to shelter. So uh, that made it unconstitutional for the city to enforce these things in terms of, at least as draconianly as they had been in the past. Um, But that kind of brings us into the context of what's going on right now. So there is an activist judge out there who is uh, making headlines all on his own and being covered uh, very accurately by Ben Oreskes uh, from the LA Times. Uh, Ben has managed to be in the courtroom uh, multiple times during throughout the COVID pandemic while this is uh, being handled. And the courtroom, I, I use the term very loosely because uh, the judge has decided to take any venue where he is at and turn it into what amounts to a courtroom. Uh, and this is actually, you know, tying back to what we had a, a few weeks ago. Was it a few weeks ago when Ground Game sent a, a threatening letter to the city saying that they were uh, out of compliance with the Brown Act because all of the city council members were present in the court uh, for that hearing, which made it a de facto uh, city council meeting, um, because literally you are not allowed to have all of the city council members in one space at one time without it being considered a meeting under the California Constitution. So uh, haven't really been following what happened with that letter, but whatever. This new law, that it, the, the new update uh, that was being uh, talked about extensively during the public comment hearing uh, the public comment portion of today's city council meeting uh, is a, a direct response to the rulings of Judge Carter. Judge Carter seems to be coming at this with the best of intentions, trying to look out for the well-being of our unhoused neighbors, uh, and is specifically uh, concerned with the long-term health implications of living under and adjacent to the freeways here in LA, which we know is a massive health risk for everyone involved, but especially uh, for everyone who is living unsheltered or whose shelter is limited to a tent alone. I know, Bushido, you have firsthand experience with what it's like to sleep in a tent near the freeway from uh, the Occupy Ice LA days, uh, which, you know, I remember everybody talking about how just devastating that was for your respiratory health, if, if my memory serves. Is you Bushido? Wait, sorry, I, I, you kind of broke up there. <laughs> sorry, I was talking about how you you had your firsthand experience of sleeping in a tent oh, during yeah, actually, Occupy Ice. Actually, no, I, I think a um, well a more relevant example that actually came yeah. recently was that video that the Intercept produced um, in, oh, yeah. in combination with Street Watch, and they actually talked to someone who is a doctor at uh, what's essentially the MIH, which is a mobile integrated health. Uh, program that USC runs called street medicine. And the doctor was talking about when you're lying on the ground next to a street, like your head, your nose and your mouth are right at tailpipe height. So not only are you taking in all the ambient, like heavy metals and pollution, everything, but everything that's coming directly out of the tailpipe is coming directly into your lungs without being dispersed as much as most people, like even just standing up makes the air that much cleaner coming off the ground. And you you see a lot of the people who are out on the street complaining of respiratory problems that are happening a lot more severely or a lot earlier than they should be happening and should be something that can be easily treated and managed just with a simple like change of environment. But when you're only giving people the street to go on, it doesn't really matter what street they're lying on. Those yep. tailpipe emissions are just as toxic. 
Yeah, so this this new law um, kind of takes that into account to some very bizarre degree, um, where Judge Carter, again, made it uh, his mission to get everyone out from underneath the freeways, which is a weird thing because the freeways, you know, compared to, like, living unsheltered on, like, uh, any part of Hollywood Boulevard where there's no fucking shade anywhere, a freeway overpass is probably a bit healthier than living next to the Hollywood Boulevard in many circumstances. But regardless, this new proposed modification to 4118 would actually be banning sitting, sleeping, or lying within 500 feet of any overpass, underpass, ramp, tunnel, or pedestrian subway while unsheltered. Uh, which just so, like, blows if, my if mind. I, if, if I, a housed person... Correct. Wanted to take a nap under the the freeway overpass, the ten overpass here. I would be okay to do that. Maybe it depends on how much the cops felt like being assholes. I, honest... I mean, it's just it's just so weird that that's it's the bar weird. that they're going to use for, it and how they'll determine who's got a house and who doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the ban would also do the same thing within 500 feet of any shelter that has been built since 2018, which includes those bridge home shelters that are uh, intentionally placed in the vicinity of encampment zones uh, where people have found places to establish communities and found you know the most reliable, consistent, highest quality, naturally occurring shelter as far as like the, the, the built environment is concerned, uh, shelter that's available to them. So you know, when we're talking about like the, the El Puente uh, bridge home shelter, that that takes out a ton of space when you look at what a 500 foot radius around El Puente would mean. Uh, and they already have like these these uh, the, the the enhanced. What is it? The, the, yeah, I was going to um, ask. Hey, special hey, in- hey Tom. Yeah, yeah Tommy. Tell us in on what a, what a, a special enforcement zone is. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it's. It's a it's a tactic uh, by the city to uh, harass unhoused people weekly, steal their things until they leave this area around the zone. Um, the city will claim that there is uh, there's like an increased like people will congregate because of the shelter, but that's actually not true. I have uh, I, I live close to one of these zones. And uh, I could count the number of people on my hand that have ever said that they know someone in the shelter or they're there because of the shelter. So, uh, yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, and I I know from experience that not I had, obviously, a friend of mine had, somebody I know from Occupy Ice, who uh, was like one of our really active campers. He was unhoused the entire time. He and his fiance were able to get into El Puente. They, she was pregnant at the time. They couldn't live together, which is a whole different moralizing aspect of this. But he was only supposed to be there for ninety days. He ended up in El Puente for almost eleven months before he got permanent placement. Wow, that's insane. Um, I'm actually downloading right now, and I'm gonna get it ready to play for y'all. Uh, a video of uh, talking about the the special enforcement cleanup zones. Uh, that was made by the folks at uh, the it was homesnotzones.com. This was a mm-hmm. services not sweeps uh, video, which I think is 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 useful here. So if you talk for just another minute, so I can load this up. Ha. Talk, talk, talk. But yeah, it's 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 frustrating. I think more than anything else to see this motion come back again when it's already failed once, and it's mm-hmm. it's weird too that Judge Carter has been given. 
such a free reign over this process, and he seems kind of like a chaotic, neutral figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely clear that like his main concern is also getting tents off the street without necessarily having a solution for where the people in those tents are supposed to go. Correct. Um, yeah. All right, so let's, let's try watching this video really quick. Uh, the audience can hear this before you two will be able to hear it, so bear with me. Ah. You never know how they're going to approach you most of the time. Their demeanor is, is pretty rough and intimidating. Uh, and sometimes they post threats that they'll have us locked up for no reason. Uh, and then when sanitation comes, uh, they only give us like 10, 15 minutes to um, grab some belongings. And um, then they'll tell us to leave our area, tent area, and then the workers just come in, take everything that we have and throw it into a big old you know, trash truck. Yeah. Sometimes they don't give us time to collect our um, items that have sentimental value. So that's what hurts the most. You know? Sometimes they give us a warning, sometimes they don't. And you never know. Uh, for the most part, we try to maintain the streets clean so we don't give them a reason to come and take our stuff. But they still move forward on it. And I don't know who's making that call, but it's not fair. I've experienced about three times where they took everything. They left me with Jesus. a whole pair of shoes, uh, just one set of clothing. Yeah. Uh, that really hurt me a lot. I, I was very depressed. Yeah. They kind of like said you to stay homeless. You know, instead of helping us, they, yeah. they don't know who we are. Or the circumstances that were the reason why we're homeless. So it's a very uncomfortable way of living. If the city could propose work to homeless um, where there's camp, um, where there's 10 camp areas, um, possibly, you know, um, nominate two workers per area, you know, and, and see how that works, where they maintain those streets clean and kind of, you know, keep following the, the guidelines that they ask for. I think it will promote work and more people will start, you know, hopping along. Uh, it'll certainly save, you know, taxpayer money. So I having the big old trucks coming over here, taking up, you know, our stuff. Yeah. Uh, and just give us some kind of responsibility. Yeah, so, I mean, that that is incredibly informative and powerful first-hand account uh, of what Edwin had gone through in K-Town, suffering... Uh, in one of these special enforcement cleanup zones. And basically what this new update to 4118 would do is it would create those kinds of zones all over the entire city of Los Angeles. Like there would be nowhere that you could go within a tenth of a mile of the freeway, like at all, uh, because any of those overpasses are just going to create little, you know, spheres of uh, anti-homeless uh, enforcement zones. And it's just, it's going to be absolutely terrible. Um, one good yeah. thing, like probably one of the only good things to come out of this new proposal is that it would suspend the bulky item provisions uh, in 5611. Um, but I believe that that would only be suspended while the uh, case uh, that K-Town for All brought against the yeah. city yeah. is continuing to work through the, uh, the process. Uh, short version of this. Yeah, exactly. Short version of this is the activists are extremely uh, not happy about this proposal. Uh, I heard a lot of activists talking about this. Uh, Tim, or Bushida, you want to go ahead and read that uh, that quote, please? 
Oh yeah, well, so the LA Times editorial board even came yeah. out today against against this, which uh, a that was an amazing turnaround on this piece because they had like 24 hours to write this and print this, which cool. Um, but they had a quote <laughs> towards the end that I think really sums it up. Uh, quote, no matter how well-intentioned Carter's directive, he should not be deciding who gets priority on shelter in this city. In fact, people often seek freeway underpasses to escape the rain or the heat. The city should not be banning those rare spots of refuge on the street. And that's a really good point, that we live in a very hostile city that is not designed yeah. to be comfortable for life outside of the home or a place where you're paying money to reside. That's why we keep seeing wars on public spaces like parks and libraries and just the effing sidewalk. Yep. At the same time, the process that we have is very, very bureaucratic and slow to move, which has worked in our favor up until now. But if these changes go through, it is going to be an even harder slog for us to get these changes undone again. However, yep. as Chris and I mentioned, Ground Game has sent a letter to the city threatening to sue them if they go forward with this bullshit. So we'll just kind of have to see what happens there. Um, I think a lot of people you know, are planning it, on yeah. suing if this thing goes through. Um, I well, was going to add say, one. one... Chris, they, they say they say never become the news, but we also say fuck that. <laughs> Fair enough. I was actually going to say uh, uh, I would add one other uh, thing to the list of places where you are allowed to exist and what the city has built everything to support, uh, which is to exist in your car. Like we, we, that's one of the reasons why this is so bad for people who are unsheltered, especially if like, you know, uh, we, we've, we've often talked about how, um, homelessness is effectively, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a scale, right? Where you land in the spectrum of being homeless, because, uh, people oftentimes end up, uh, once they get evicted, they, they end up living out of their car up until the point where they are no longer able to, uh, financially maintain that that's that that level of subsistence because the city also makes it impossible for you to you know really live in your car in any meaningful way because they do not provide any meaningful number of safe parking locations but uh i was going to say that you know we've we've made this city so damn hostile to pedestrians explicitly for the benefit of drivers and that that has come back to roost for us because all of these places that could otherwise have some level of hospitability, hospit, hospitability, um, yeah, hospitability. I, I'm, I can't speak anymore. It's been a long day. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> it's only three forty-five. So yeah, so one of the one of the things that we should that we'll kind of transition away from here because we've been talking yeah, about yeah. what the state does and how the state criminalizes homeless people. The state isn't the only actor out there that is destroying yep. belongings and stealing people's stuff. So, uh, Tom, you remember uh, the sheriff's department had a fun little, like, COVID party over at the Sassafras Bar. Yeah. And then I want to say about three weeks ago. Is that is that how long it's been? Two weeks? Since what, you guys. Yes. No, since yeah. Alex. Uh, since the 10th thing. Oh, that was uh, one week ago. That one week. Time Time has no meaning anymore. But so last week, uh, you intervened in a really weird situation. So why don't you go ahead and set the stage for us here on what looks like a small business owner paying to have an unhoused person stuff stolen um, with the cover. Yeah, of it was LAP. a landlord. Oh, good. Yeah, Even better. it was yep. a landlord. Uh, so there's like a service. So there's this there's a spot in Hollywood. Um, there's a Goodwill. There's a 99 cent store. There's a mental health center. Uh, so, you know, there's poor and working class people there. And yeah. it's fine uh, until 
fucking entitled people uh, try to abuse and harass them, basically. Uh, so what happened was uh, the uh, the landlord of the Hollywood Mental Health Center. Uh, and by the way, this Hollywood Mental Health Center is uh, is a county program from the County Department of Mental Health. So mm -hmm. they lease it from this landlord. Uh, what happened is there was like a fire uh, last Monday, a tent burned down. Uh, it's it's terrible. Like imagine there was a fire in your house and everything burned down. It's fucking awful. Uh, you literally lose everything. So uh, the next day after that happened, um, like I saw the remains and I that's the day that I met Alex. I was doing outreach over there. And then the next day, the landlord hires these two guys to come and remove the camp adjacent to the fire. Um, for because fuck people living on the street, right? It's like yep. it doesn't make any sense. It's like it's like if I were to have a fire in my apartment, and then my landlord goes into my neighbor's place and like throws out all their things. It doesn't make any sense. It's, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's bonkers so uh so i i heard about it uh because alex wasn't happy about it uh by the time i showed up alex was like had given up putting up resistance he told me like i'm not gonna fuck with these people who like come and destroy my destroy my shelter and don't say anything um so he was like hiding out uh with a few things and i i run up there and i immediately try to stop this guy uh, I say, like, you can't do this. Like, like these aren't your things. He, he just keeps telling me, well, you started a fire. And, like, uh, it's just there, there's a few things that he said. One, yeah, that was one of them. It was, like, he started telling me the sidewalk was private property at one point. Uh, it, uh, my, my brain is failing me. He said some other things. But um, he, he essentially, he, he got everything in his truck and locked the truck. Um and called the cops to show up, uh, starts saying that I assaulted him. Um, I get some friends to show up to try to get the stuff out of the truck. He won't open the truck. So mm -hmm. we, so the cops show up. Uh, they immediately start saying, oh, we can't do anything without the victim here. So I say, shit, all right. Like, they're not going to try to find Alex. Uh, like, I, I had not seen Alex that day up until that point. I See, tried to find him earlier. Also, but. I, I got to say, that's I, I love when the cops give you that bullshit. Like, no, the victim has to be yeah. here. And it's like, no, there doesn't. Like, if I see yeah. somebody break a window on a car dealership and I call 911, they're not going to wait for the owner of the car dealership to show up to take the report. They they Correct. don't have to. They're just fucking lying because they don't want to do yep. their job. Sorry to interrupt, but it just pisses me yeah. off whenever they do that. Thank you. Uh, so, no, and thank I've, you. I've yeah. also I, I pulled up the pictures that you posted to that Twitter thread, uh, Tommy. I didn't pull up the videos because uh, they're very long, and it's uh, it's <laughs> of you telling us this exact story in real time. Um, but I was just going to point out here that this is this is what it looks like next to that um, that facility where. The encampment is located on the sidewalk. You can see this is the when it first started and that U-Haul is empty. Uh, the U-Haul was very full by this point. And uh, you, you, you had mentioned that you had seen a tent that had been burned down. If anybody was wondering what the complete destruction of an individual's property looks like, this is the aftermath of what that is. Um, absolutely, truly devastating. 
Um, and I just wanted to, to give those visual cues for anybody who is watching along with this. Um, and then let's see, the other two images I've got are the map and the sidewalk in question. So please continue. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll talk about, I, I can talk about the, the map. Um, yeah. so sure. when, so yeah, one of the excuses was that, oh, this is private property. Um, mm -hmm. and so I've marked on this map, you can see where the camp was. Uh, turns out this, this, this department of mental health, uh, the, the, the department that's leasing the building. This building uh, does have a private property. You can see it kind of sticks out there on the left side. That uh, sidewalk, has a private yeah. sidewalk. Um, so I, I guess Which that's weird. I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, maybe they decided to like build the building further back. I don't know. There, there's some places that don't have sidewalks in the city, and I guess they might have decided to create one. I don't know how this <laughs> happened. But yeah. it's besides it, it's besides the point because. Uh, Alex and there, he was living with two others, so that's why the camp was so big. Is there's three people living there, um, and you can see it's on a public sidewalk. So there's actually a sign over there that says "private property." It's not true. Um, yeah, that's the sign there's on the sign. left. Yeah, and uh, it's not true. And but the cops uh, apparently he had some paperwork that said there. He probably said there's a private there's a private sidewalk somewhere, and that that was all it took for the cops to believe him. And um, so so I. So going back to the story, uh, yes. the cops show up. They say, where's, where's the victim? I go find Alex. I happen to find him. Cool. I bring him. I like he really doesn't want to talk to the police, which I understand, because uh, one out of every three instances of violence by the police are against an unhoused person. Uh, you know, they experience incredible violence by the police. Um, so the so I find Alex. I bring him to the cops. I try to get him to talk. Instead of talking to Alex, they just immediately arrest me. They, 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 they probably saw, you know, so they probably saw that stuff was actually, you know, going against what they wanted to do. And they're like, we can't let this happen. We got to take this guy in. So they, so they fucking arrested me. Uh, Alex, like, goes back around the corner to where he was. Uh, they put me in jail. Uh, we had three... But hold on. Yeah. So, so this, I, I heard this was a little bit weird. Because this wasn't an actual, like, LAPD arrest arrest, right? It was, like, some sort of a weird citizen's arrest that LAPD affected, like, something like that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? What What the fuck is that? I'm what the fuck is a citizen's arrest LAPD affected by the— I see and just demand that they arrest random people. I'm just going <laughs> to yes. point at someone getting out of Mercedes and be like, that man assaulted <laughs> me. Citizen's arrest. Yeah. <laughs> That would have just That's as much it. legal standing as the allegations here that they tried to, uh, you know, lock you up with, Tommy. Yeah. But please continue. Yeah. So the worker, yeah. So the worker lied. He said that like I pushed him and he fell off the truck and hurt his leg, and he was like limping I, around. He was like faking a limp for a little bit. I watched the uh, full, f almost five minutes of video that you posted of your entire interaction with the driver. Uh, there was absolutely no point in time during which any physical inter interaction was uh, affected by you. Uh, he was pretty violent, but you did not push him at any point. He definitely did not fall off the truck or hurt his leg in any way, uh, unless he did that entirely on his own, in which case it is not your fault. Just saying. Got your back to Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, he, so fortunately, I got it all on camera. And... Um, 
Yeah, he just lied, and that's all. Film everything, folks. (laughs) I I put on my body. You know that that's all it takes. I mean, I my my mind is like creating these scenarios. I imagine they were they were inside talking for a long time, right? And they're very clearly politically aligned. Uh, Mm -hmm. I imagine the police said, "Look, we just need you to sign this paper to get rid of this guy." Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. It doesn't really matter because that's what they wanted to do. They very clearly wanted to remove me from the situation. They did so. They ignored Alex. He was there. He was mm-hmm. right there with me. And they did everything they could not to listen to him, not to hear him out. Uh, they, they arrested me. They scared him away. Um, they did everything in their power to make sure that this man could get away with destroying this camp completely of his own will. They believed the lie that it was private property. They didn't investigate that. They didn't fucking investigate anything. They just, no. they just showed up. They they arrested me and they in uh, they we had three cars surrounding the U-Haul. Uh, they threatened to tow the three cars, so they got moved. Uh, a couple people then jumped on the hood of the U-Haul, and the police attacked them, threw them on the ground, um, and then the U-Haul they they it drives away. It drives away. They literally facilitated this robbery. They literally in in the U-Haul drives to the uh, to a trash compactor and everything inside it is crushed and destroyed. Jesus. And, and I'm and I'm the one that gets a charge for doing nothing. That that's how fucked the system is. Is the landlord will 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 go out of their way to destroy the lives of unhoused people, and the police will do everything in their power to help the landlord. In everything in their power to not help the person on the street and not help us who are trying to help the people on the street. That is the political reality. That that is what we're up against. We're we're up against vigilantes and with their own fucking army. I wish I would have captured uh, like, or I wish I could have found the. There wasn't a still image of it, but there is the. Um, the video that was captured, sadly, it didn't capture them in the act of doing it, but there were Trump supporters involved in this process as well. They were, yeah, like, heckling so we y'all from the distance. This. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if y'all heard, but, uh, like, I think it was early August. There was a, there was a Sassafras mm-hmm. Saloon is right there through this party yeah. for the sheriffs. Through a party for <laughs> oh, the sheriffs. Oh, we heard. They were, they we heard about now. this. <laughs> Knock reported it. Uh, go look at the or article, not, everybody. Yeah, but but not just it wasn't just for the sheriffs. It was for uh, Department of Corrections personnel as well as LAPD. And so far, the only people that we know for a fact have been suspended over this are two LAPD officers. And we do know that LAPD investigated it. It doesn't look like any of the other uh, law enforcement offices did, but it was like a whole smorgasbord of shitty cops. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the smorgasbord of shitty cops people. is my new favorite phrase. <laughs> Yeah. So so the the after party for this for this shitty super spreader party, this shitty cop super spreader party was yeah. um was was in this apartment complex on the top floor. Uh probably oh. a cop. Probably a cop, right? If he has the after party for the cop party. Uh yeah. he he got on his megaphone and started telling us he was he, from his balcony and started telling us he was going to kick our ass and stuff. He's got a giant Trump flag in the window. Uh, that's, yeah, it's like the, the fucking neighbors. I mean, can you imagine like living next to a homeless encampment and spending all your time trying to ruin the lives of people outside? Like get a fucking life. You, you no, I, 
I came out to my street the other day. I, I, you know, live in a very nice residential, like single family home neighborhood. And somebody had taped onto a car that had been parked longer than they liked uh, a whole street about how you're not allowed to t park a car in LA for more than 72 hours or it can be ticketed or towed. Clearly had just printed it out on their like HP inkjet and then taken like uh, packing tape and taped it to someone's window. And it's just like- what? Do Sudoku or something. Like, find a better use of your fucking time. Like, there's so many better ways to spend right. your time than trying to threaten somebody else because you want to be a cop. But I got to ask, so uh, what has the fallout been for Alex from this? Like, how is he doing through all this? Because obviously, like, not not to pay you short shrift, you're doing fine. You're, you're not too worse for the wear, from what I can tell. Your yeah. glorious locks are still intact. But how's Alex? Uh, Alex um, seems... He seems fine to me. I don't want to like speak for him, but um, I, I, I checked on him. He he was obviously pissed. He was obviously very pissed. But uh, we we got him a tent. Uh, you can see he's on a couch there, uh, and he had he had something of a shelter. So he's got like the basic necessities, um, and we're still recruiting supplies for Alex. I, I think he asked for a. Uh, a sleeping bag or yeah, a sleeping bag and a blanket. So if anybody has those and you want to send them to Alex, hit up street watch. Um, but yeah, I reconnected with Alex that night. Um, we talked about it, you know, that's us saying, fuck the police. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's actually doing surprisingly well, uh, for everything that happened to him. Um, you know, but I don't want to speak for him. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think maybe. I think that I think that's good. It's it's good to hear he's not super worse for the wear that like yep. ultimately all he lost was was some possessions, um, which sucks. Um, but it it's it it's part of this weird cycle that we seem to have going on in the city where we just traumatize people to the point where like they accept it. Um yeah. and what I want to do actually is is now switch gears a little bit and talk about something that I was involved with a little bit, you've been more involved with. Uh, that's going on in El Sereno, where Caltrans owns um, a couple dozen, I want to say 72 or so, uh, homes that have been sitting empty that they meant to knock down for a freeway. They never built the freeway, but they've just had empty homes sitting there. And the home reclaimers have been making those homes again for families. So I was hoping you could talk to us a little bit about what's happened there, because this is a group of people who are like, fuck you, we're not going to take this anymore. We have power and we're going to exercise that. Yeah. Yeah, I may have to go get my charger in a minute, but uh, I'll let no, you know. that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, the so so what happened there was there have there have been hundreds of vacant homes that were that were captured via eminent domain uh, um, by a uh, Caltrans, the, the highway, because they were going to build a highway, uh, the highway uh, authority of the state. So um, they they had the the project got canceled because the community didn't want it. Um, so the homes have been sitting vacant, like at least like a decade now, um, it's actually ridiculous. Mm -hmm. If you walk down the block, you can see like like signs on all the homes that are empty. It's incredible. There's so, so many. There's literally hundreds of homes. So a uh, bunch of people got together, started reclaiming our homes, said, fuck this. They moved into the homes. Um, there was and some time, time frame for that was back in February, March, correct? Yeah, yeah. They, they moved in. So uh, they, they cut a deal, you know, at some point, a couple months in. Uh, said like the the state agreed not to try to evict them. Meanwhile, uh, the highway patrol literally would station dozens of officers to stand outside empty homes. 
How absurd is that? You, we are, we would literally spend tens of thousands of dollars guarding empty homes, and like telling people they can't live in an empty home when we have tens of thousands of people that are homeless. It's infuriating. It's infuriating, but that's what they do. That's the system. That's that's what we're up against. Uh, they will literally fight us with violence and guns to keep these homes empty. Um, hold on, I gotta go get my charger. So, so fill yeah, no me. worries. Yeah, no so, worries. But so the go, uh, go ahead, Chris. I, I was just gonna say this 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 issue alone, I think, is the most emblematic of the absolute and utter failure that is our current system of governance when it comes to. Uh, the commodification of housing and the ramifications that that has on our society. Like these are homes that were literally purchased through eminent domain, seized through eminent domain from families, displacing those families, moving them elsewhere. And then the homes were, you know, forced to be sitting empty for a long period of time. The project that originally forced the, the uh, that necessitated that eminent domain procedure from the government's perspective fell through and then they just kind of sat there because well it's there's a there's a there's a whole story of bureaucratic pettiness yeah. behind this where caltrans got into some sort of tiff with the county and the city of los angeles over these homes and just decided to sit on the homes for decades because i believe they eminent domain the houses starting in 1978 or so and the process lasted until 1984 um you know these houses have been empty for a decade and it, we're also seeing another fight like this developing out in Downey where they want to expand the 605 and again are talking about seizing 550 suburban homes in order to like knock them down for a freeway expansion. Um, but yeah, so Jesus. so they we were uh, discussing a little bit before we were recording um, the fact that the, the home reclaimers had come to a bit of a settlement with Caltrans. And I was hoping you could fill us in a little bit on the details and uh, with the idea that this is all sort of still a work in progress, like negotiations are still ongoing, uh, even though we've gotten to a, uh, somewhat of an outcome. Yeah. So um, at, at some point, I forget which month it was, May, June, uh, Caltrans agreed not to evict the reclaimers. They said, OK, you can stay in your homes. Uh, so that was that was stable until like a couple weeks ago. Um, it's still stable. But the but but. Uh, basically, they agreed to now um, keep these homes as permanent supportive housing, is my understanding. Uh, for two years is what they've committed to. So, um, and they're making the reclaimers move around because they had some stupid like uh, process where they would inspect the properties and they say, "Oh, this one's okay, this one's not." Like whatever. So, so some of the reclaimers moved, some of them didn't. But now the state has agreed, like, "Okay, you're good, you're legal for like two years." Um, that wasn't what the demand was initially. Um, the demand has always been we want the we want hundreds of the all like it's it's hundreds. I forget how many. Um, I don't want to get the number wrong, so I won't guess. But um, we want all these homes to be in a community land trust um, that's decommodified, controlled by the community democratically. Yeah, yeah. it's not ruled by market forces. Um, so that's what we want. Um, uh, the state has not agreed to that. That's not what we got. So we still got work to do. But for now, the reclaimers are stable. They're in their housing for the next two years, at least. Um, and we've still got we've still got a fight to fight. Yeah. 
And it, so to that end, what are what are groups like Street Watch doing um, as we're getting kind of closer to our February deadline? Like really when eviction courts fully open back up, like what kind of preparations are y'all getting into and what can folks start doing to kind of like staunch the new flood of evictions and newly unhoused people that we're probably going to be seeing? Yeah, um, I would say uh, join your local tenants union and uh, start defending your neighbors. Um, the LA Tenants Union has like 13 locals, I believe. Yeah. Uh, every one of them is engaged in defending their neighbors against eviction. Um, that's what that's what it's going to come down to. Um, I, my personal opinion is that they're going to try to uh, spread the evictions out over a, over a long period of time so that there's not a massive flood. It doesn't overload the system. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the evictions aren't going to stop. There's no sign that the eviction, they're going to stop them indefinitely. They're going to try to bring them back uh, at some point. So mm-hmm. uh, so there needs to be some sort of defense against this. And, and, and an eviction defense with your body is the best defense. It, it immediately, it's not asking somebody else to do the work. It's not begging a politician. It's not writing a letter. It is actively stopping the eviction. It's the goal. The goal is to stop the eviction. So what do we do? We stop the eviction, right? And in doing so, you you build power, you build an organization that is able to stop these evictions, and you also create uh, you also strike fear into the heart of elected officials, and they will respond to you. If you have an organization that can stop an eviction, the elected officials will see that and they'll say, "Oh shit." Uh, we we can't keep fighting these people. We don't want to keep fighting these people. We're going to cut a deal. And yeah. you see how that's better than asking them to do it because they can just ignore you, right? But when you yeah. when you do the act, when you stop the eviction yourself, you, it, if well, it stops the eviction number one, but number two, you get you 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 get both. You get the political change that you want because it it changes the political reality. The, yeah. the, there will be a compromise in your favor, which, which so it's better than writing a letter. Like by all means, write your letters, make your calls, but you you have to turn out to to these to these eviction defenses because yeah. it's it's a better strategy. Um, no, and in you, you, sorry to ramble. I, I was just going to try to tell people you you can get involved in whatever capacity you want. There, there there's a whole group of people at eviction defenses that are are at no risk of arrest. So if that's what you're afraid of, don't let it get in your way. Uh, just show up with a sign and yell and scream and support us. Because like when we have numbers on our side, that's what scares the cops. That's the only thing that's going to work against uh, defeating the police is numbers, is democracy, right? Yeah. So like that's what we've got. They've got the money. They've got the power. They've got the system. They've got the we monopoly and violence and the jails and the billions of dollars and the helicopters. We have people. So, yeah. so we got to show up. No, it's, it's interesting. So a little bit of a, a callback, uh, that LA Times editorial we talked about earlier makes uh, a big point in its like second paragraph of talking about how city council members are really afraid of angry homeowners who don't want to be seeing tents anymore because they're going to get phone calls and they're going to get letters and they're going to get their deputies yelled at by wealthy homeowners. And I think what that piece misses that you just articulated even better is it's not the wealthy homeowners calling city council and yelling at Park Krikorian that gets him to change his mind. It's the power economically that those people have and wield quite readily that keeps people like Park Krikorian 
on a short leash. They can threaten to take their business out of state. They can threaten to move yep. to another city. They can threaten to support another candidate with their millions of dollars. They can threaten to take their very reliable votes somewhere else. The, the, the rest of us, the hoi polloi, the unwashed masses, are not seen as having that power by the city council. But we've got it. And when we exercise it, it scares the shit out of them. Like, there's a reason that Nuri and the rest of the city council is trying to get this 4118 revision under the radar and to try and do it in a way that we would not be able to notice and react to fast enough. Because they're finally afraid of the people who show up at their homes at 8 p.m. at night and say, hey, stop being an asshole. That actually scares them because they've never had to deal with real-world consequences for any of their shitty decisions. And I think that's beginning to change. So that was a really good way to lay it out, Tommy, and why an eviction defense isn't just a bunch of angry people. It's actually an exercise of power. Mm-hmm. 100%. I was just going to point yeah. out that um, when it comes to that that exercise of power and those comments that come in, we actually have uh, a pretty good uh, so the, uh, I would recommend that everybody go and leave comments on this absolutely atrocious, uh, council file. But I was going to say they, they, they posted this while, while I was live tweeting this morning, they posted the comments to the, uh, the, the council file on this motion that everybody was calling in and, and shouting about. And I'm trying to find it, what it was, but it was something like the first batch that they had posted was from, uh, from Thursday and they didn't post any for a while after that. And then they've dumped a bunch of them like during the start of the meeting and the communications files from the public for, uh, for this motion have, um, one of them is, uh, just two pages. long. Oh God. Yes. Oh no. I was going to say, are you going to, did you find the good comment? The really good comment? Oh, uh, the, I know which one you're talking about. I, I can find it really quickly and I'll put it up on screen. Um, you, you riff for a minute and I'll, I'll go find that comment. Yeah, no, so far I haven't seen a lot of positive commentary on this 4118 revision. Like I don't, I, I've yet to hear a single person outside of city hall say this is a good thing to do. Are you like finding anyone who's like pro this Tom? Like no one that I've spoken to or even seen in the press is like, oh yeah, let's like arrest more homeless people. No. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's, ask a, ask it's a stupid worst. question. Get a stupid answer. They, they've they've out, completely outdid themselves in, in cruelty. And uh, they've set a new standard for the whole nation. This is, yeah. this is how you do it. If you want to get rid of unhoused people, this is how you do it. They've tried their hardest to do it legally. Um, yeah. And it looks like from the Martin v. Boise decision, it will be legal. Um, but... Because uh, the Martin B. Voyages decision said that you can't you can't sweep if there's no shelter, so yeah. that's what the 4118 4118D says. Is it says you got to offer shelter, and then you can remove anyone from anywhere in the whole yeah. fucking city. And we know that they lie to us. We we we've been there. We've been there, and the and the cops and the rangers will come up and say, "Oh, we've got a shelter," and we have to like call around and get a hold of Lassa. Who will then actually tell us, no, they're full of shit. We don't have any shelter. So they yeah. will actually go around to people on the street, whether they're lying or not, whether people go into shelter or not, they can remove anyone from anywhere in the entire city. That is it's so it it it's gonna explode the jail population. 
and it's yeah. it's going to give everybody a criminal record. Uh, it's well, I can't. That's, that's also, I don't have words for how no, bad this the, is. No, the, that's the other thing that really weirds me out about this is when we're moving into like deeper into prison realignment, when we're shutting down Men's Central Jail, when Measure J is probably going to pass, and there's going to be a huge realignment of budget priorities uh, at the county level. Forty-one eighteen is a weird solution because. Anybody who gets arrested under this will probably be back out on the street within a couple of hours, you know, unless yeah. they're arrested of some very violent felony and held for a longer period of time. But with that arrest and possible conviction on their record, they'll have an even harder time getting housing. Low-income landlords, especially landlords that, like, might take Section 8 visas and stuff like – or Section 8 uh, vouchers and stuff like that are really on the lookout for people with any sort of blemish on their record so they can turn them down. This is just going to create more of that population of people that, like, we can't house or the private market doesn't want to house. And when you just do some basic math, like, we have, you know, about 100,000 people unhoused in the county of Los Angeles. Measure H and Measure Triple H are only building us 20,000 units at best. Like... Or when you look at any of the special enforcement zones, the Schrader enforcement zone, for instance, where there are several hundred people living around a shelter that can at most house 60. It just And we've covered yeah. this many times, so I don't want to get too, yeah. too deep into it again. But uh, oh, Chris, show us the best point public out, comment ever. Oh, yes, for sure. But I was just going to say uh, those, those enforcement zones are even more draconian now because uh, due to COVID, you can't even put as many people in there as they were originally designed for. Um, also, for for a little bit of context, this is this is a comment from last week, um, but all the comments that went up over the weekend dropped this morning because they apparently didn't do their work yesterday. And one of the comment files is 185 pages of PDF uh, of one comment ish per page. Sometimes when they have image attachments, they get like two pages. But one of them is 185 pages. Another one is 167 pages. So we're talking like 300 and something comments that got dropped over the weekend on this shitty motion. But by far and away, the best comment that came in was from Uncle Joey. It was submitted on the 22nd at 4.03 p.m. It would have been so perfect if they waited till 4.20 before submitting it, but that's okay. Uh, they said, A, this motion is a no good. You Americans are even worse at governing than you are at making the pasta. The ordinance is like your mushy spaghetti covered with ketchup in a pile of formaggi. Come on, I'm walking here. And uh, there is also, I apologize to any Italian listeners for that absolutely wretched attempt <laughs> at an accent. See if you can, I'm you, so you get sorry. A prize if, you get a prize if you guess which activist this is. No, no, well, also, no we're the, not, the, we're the not unmasking is, anyone. See, see, Chris... Seeing as you worked for Italian Italian Elon Musk, you should have a better grasp on stereotypical Italian accents. It's just it's he's it, South African. Don't don't you remember the Twitter what? account, the uh, Italian Elon Musk yeah. uh, that existed no. for? I, I want to say about two weeks before Twitter shut oh. it down, but it was literally just Elon Musk doing pretty much what that comment did, um, and it was just it was glorious <laughs> for those couple of weeks. But um, oh, I do want to say I think I think we've kind of run out our run out our runway here on uh, most of what we have. So this fun. has been like no, and this has also been like super informative. Uh, and Tom, oh, very thank much you so. very much for like taking the time to join us in this very kind of loose episode we got going on. Before we move into pickups, uh, where we kind of announce stuff that we can do for this week, I'm going to give you the first swing at it. If you got any events that people should be showing up at, 
Uh, I believe there's an eviction defense tomorrow. Uh, the LA Tenants <laughs> Union. Check Great. out their, yeah. their their Twitter and Instagram. So you know, get every get fucking used day to doing an eviction defense. And those are those are going to be up in North North Hollywood for anyone who's interested in joining. Um, it, this is going to become a citywide fight. We're pretty used to fighting this stuff in downtown and in Hollywood, but holy shit, South LA, the Valley, like our reach is going to have to get bigger. Yep. Uh, anything else that you want to plug in, Tommy? Before uh, the, the election, the other big thing is there's a count that we, I'm sure you were going to say this, but the committee meeting tomorrow. Yeah, or, or that's, sorry, council that's meeting. coming. That that's coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the uh, we'll we'll have a link to that in the description. Uh, the public comment period. I I'm afraid they're going to do just another forty minute comment period, which means that like unless you are one of the lucky select fifteen people to call in uh, and get at the front of the queue and uh, somehow manage to displace Eric Previn, uh, Mr. Moses. Uh, Wayne Spindler and Herman Herman, uh, who we've only how we've is only it been... they can how is it that they can block Richie's number but they can't block Herman's number? I don't fucking because get it. honestly, uh, they care less about being you know they those guys are known entities. Letting letting those guys go on the air and do hate speech every week is less of a less of a, a yeah. concern to them well, than than okay. Richie. One one moment here, because I I want to I do want to yell about this for a minute. Nuri Martinez has really kind of stepped into her element when it comes to shutting down public comment and interaction with the public, because she frankly uh, has an awful ability to interact with the public and has no desire to listen to anything that the public has to say. She has gotten into the habit of making sure that the council votes on any and all motions that have technically met the public comment criteria, which includes having public comment held uh, heard during committee hearings, which are extremely difficult for people to be able to log into because they don't know when these things are going to be happening. And so most people that want to participate in public comment are calling into the main meetings. They're limited to just 40 minutes now. Nuri makes sure to wipe the slate of any and all possible motions that can be voted on before the public comment starts, which means that the number of things that you can even comment on is dramatically reduced in the first place. She limits it to 40 minutes by keeping people like Wayne Spindler and Herman Herman and uh, Eric Previn coming in. They know, and they, and Mr. Moses too, they know exactly what they're going to hear. They aren't going to be surprised for it. It's not going to make them particularly uncomfortable because they're pretty much inured to it at this point. And they know that each of them is going to take four fucking minutes because they get the three minutes for all of the Because they just say, I want to talk on all items. And then they just bounce around until uh, Streff and Falbel tells them that they need to get on fucking topic or they're going to be uh, you know, hung up on. So they basically get three minutes of rambling, incoherent bullshit for the most part. They get one minute of general public comment where they say the stuff that they actually wanted to say. Where they're not trying to play that you know dancing game with Streff and Falbel of being yelled at to be getting on topic. Each of them eats four minutes of the 40 minutes that we get. Plus they spend a bunch of time dealing with the clerk, reading out the number, making sure that they're unmuted. There's always some kind of a technical glitch. Each of them eats up generally around five minutes of our public comment time. If they get all four of them in, that makes Nuri really fucking happy. 50% of the public comment period of any meeting is eaten up by fucking gadflies. 50%. So she doesn't have to listen to People who are righteously outraged from Streetwatch LA calling in. There were more than 70 people on the call this morning. We heard like 15. There were more than 70 people waiting to be heard. San Francisco and all these other places have really gotten much, 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 much better 
uh, about actually giving the public the opportunity to speak during these hearings. City of Los Angeles has been like, fuck you. We're going to govern the way that we want, and that means fuck you. We don't want to hear from you. Unless you're making donations to our campaign, in which case, we'll listen to you all you want. But otherwise, fuck you. Anyway, uh, sorry, I had to get that out there. No, it's, 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 actually, it's, it's a good point. It's something I think that like a lot of people when they first encounter City Hall are very confused with as to why these like three to five people show up doing the most racist, ridiculous stuff ever. And nobody in council seems to care or mind. And one, they're not allowed to because of First to Amendment be fair, stuff. But two, two of them are the realize- racist. The other two are not. <laughs> Yeah, but also, like, I, I think councilors realize that tactically these people are good because they show up and they suck the oxygen out of the room yep. and they eat up valuable public comment time that other yep. people could use to make, like, good points. So, I also, I don't know who the dude with the dog is, but I swear to God I want to steal his dog. That's Herman. Uh, yeah, that's Herman his dog Herman. seems very unhappy. And he's also the most virulently racist of all of them. Um, I, well, actually, I take Nuri, it back. I've seen him and Nuri in person at a committee meeting, and it was kind of funny because Nuri just sort of like rolled her eyes. It was like, okay, thank you, Mr. Herman. Have a good day. Um, oh, and yeah. then he, he said something her, he that calls I will her mommy. not repeat. He calls her mommy and then other things all the time. It's deeply creepy. Anyway, um, other yeah. ways that people can get involved. So uh, tomorrow morning, I'll be doing the live stream on that. Uh, I'm going to try to set it up so that Kendall calls in with me. And that way I have like a sympathetic ear uh, to ramble to. And uh, we can both fill up some space here on the Twitch airwaves rather than it just being me and the horrors that are our city council. <laughs> um, so we'll be doing that tomorrow morning. I'll be doing it for sure. Kendall may be joining me. That would be awesome. Uh, there are other things, of course, happening on Wednesday. Hey, Kendall's watching right now and just said, I'm going to try. <laughs> Thank you, Kendall. We appreciate you. Um, there is also going to be yet another big action um, at the Hall of Injustice, as usual, at 3 p.m. Bring your ballots. This is the last, uh, not the last, this is the last Wednesday uh, march to the polls that BLM is going to be doing in front of the Hall of Injustice, demanding that Jackie Lacey must go. Uh, yeah, Kendall, you can, we can, we'll figure something out. I, I, you can, if you're dropping lit, we can figure something out via phone, via, you can do, we can do a field reporting segment with Kendall. Uh, I'm super down for that. Um, yeah, anyway, there, there will be, will be another uh, BLM action. Be there. It's going to start at 3 p.m. prompt this time. Uh, no more uh, sitting around till 3.30 uh, before everything gets going. There will be another March to the Polls. This one might get a little bit more uh, spicy, shall we say. So I will be there uh, filming it uh, and trying to prevent, uh, you know, just being there as a white guy uh, helps to dissuade the cops from doing anything uh, atrocious. Uh, also, being there with a big camera helps to stop that as well because they know they are being filmed in crystal clear 4K quality uh, and can get fucked. Uh, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, uh, sign up and table for Nithya, for Fatima, for Godfrey. Please, please, please. This is the last final push. We literally have one week to go. One week and three and a half hours at this point until the polls close. Uh, not that the election will be decided at that point because the counting is going to take a while, uh, <laughs> because yeah. we've got some fucking yeah. rules that haven't been updated. Uh, yeah. table for if, Nithia. If you don't normally, if you don't normally do it, you just got to do it for a week. You just got to yeah. just do it for one Six week. Six days at this shit, point. Come on. Do it. Please, please. Phone bank, table, do things, make calls, make texts, 
send send text. They make the text for you. You just have to punch it into the thing and click the send button. It's not that hard. Uh, yeah. Is oh, and then there's also. Are we having a ground game meeting this weekend? Or this Thursday? I don't know anymore. Yeah. Bushido. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. I believe so. I think I think we'll probably take off next week um, because everyone that... will be recovering. But <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this week we're we're still on as far as I know. Uh, all right. Well. Um... I don't, can't think of anything else that's going to be happening. Oh, Kendall is saying, of course, we are having the meeting. Uh, thank you, Kendall. Appreciate the the uh, third host here, fourth host at this point. Uh, always appreciated. We love you. Uh, as always, um, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in, publicizing, just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game Live Facebook page. Uh, you can also reach us through the Twitter page, the Instagram page, uh, at knock.la, uh, at uh, ground game LA on all of the things. Uh, Kendall is saying that there is always plenty of non-electoral work to do. This is absolutely true. Uh, and that is a good reason to remember that these meetings will keep taking place. Even when there's a crazy election happening, uh, this podcast and every ground game podcast is a production of knock.la. You can support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. Check the description of this podcast for sources, links to action, social media links, etc. Thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you, Bushido. Uh, this has been fantastic. Whoo. Oh, Six last word of, of wisdom. I'm gonna gonna leave everyone on. If yeah. you haven't voted and you can vote, fucking vote already. Please do it. Get your vote in there so that that midnight drop that comes on election day is fucking huge, and we don't have to worry about Nithia or Prop 22 or any of that stuff. That the absentee ballot drop is so fucking huge in our favor that those races are done and then we can all sit around and wonder who the president is for a month while those bullshit lawsuits happen uh, <laughs> well thank you that was perfect to end on um yeah thanks again tommy thanks again bushido thanks y'all